Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there, and thanks very much for joining us. Lots to come on this, our penultimate episode of 2023. We'll speak with the new president of Network Cork, and we're going to learn about something called sustainable electronic cooling. I have no idea, but we'll be fully informed uh, before we get to the end of the podcast. Now, conferences are very big business in Ireland, and Cork hosts more conferences than anywhere else in the country outside of Dublin. Foilcha Ireland has been running a hugely successful programme to support more conferences in Ireland and they're now seeking conference ambassadors for Cork in 2023. We're joined uh, by Evelyn O'Sullivan of the Cork Convention Bureau but also with us Dr Jenny Butler who was a conference ambassador for two conferences in Cork in 2022. You're both very welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. I'm going to begin with you, first of all, Jenny. You're a conference ambassador. So what exactly does that role involve? Um, well, it, uh, for me, it involved um, bidding for conferences. So bringing conferences to Ireland, um, you know, uh, with academic societies that I'm, I'm involved in and, uh, you know, kind of making a case with the university as well and um, organising the conferences. Right, and how does it um, how does it uh, work for you? Do you get paid for this, or do you provide support for it, or what is it? Well, the the there's a there's a Fulch Ireland Conference Ambassador Program, and as part of that, there's financial support um, to make the the bid, so to travel. Um, so for me as an academic, that that was uh, extremely helpful because in in universities there there actually isn't isn't um, financial support for making a bid. So, um, you know, if I didn't have financial support, that would have been at my own expense. Um, And also um, in in the society, I mentioned academic societies, they also wouldn't be in a a position to fund um, travel and things like that. So that, you know, the financial side was quite important for me. Um, But also things like... um, support in in making making the bid like uh things like professional videos showcasing ireland and cork um you know it's it's really helpful to be able to show something like that to to um potential uh conference delegates and and um in my case i would be presenting that at a you know the agm the general meeting of uh societies and um at other kind of meetings so you know it's it's really it makes ireland uh, look very attractive and um it's designed by people who are who are experts in in business yeah. tourism so that's something well, I, we're not I, i'm guessing look your role is not as chief videographer and making saint finbar's cathedral look good <laughs> uh, so you definitely need to support with that but where did people come to your conferences from i mean what drew them um well what drew them i think was uh, I, I think ireland being a, an, an attractive destination was a big a big deal because um you know uh it i think whatever profession you're in like academics are obviously people they want to visit somewhere exciting and and um you know the tourism part is a big a big draw so um they came like i organized the uh the eighth european society for the study of western esotericism conference and also uh, i co-organized the the european associate the european association for the study of religions um so uh, the first one was about 150 delegates and then the second one was uh, um around 500 so they came from they're both european 
based societies, but we also had like people from all over Europe, Eastern Europe, Central Europe, Western Europe, and um, also from like there were delegates from at both conferences from Australia, uh, the United States. Um, you know, we, we had uh, some Ukrainian colleagues who were able to make it in person as well. So, um, yeah, from from many, many okay. uh, places. So pretty broad, uh, br- broad church that you brought in there, pardon the pun. Um, Evelyn O'Sullivan of the Cork Convention Bureau. I mean, Jenny is just one example of a conference ambassador, but there are others out there that you're working with all the time. And, and they're the glue that kind of get these conferences in. That's it, exactly, Jonathan. So... I suppose we obviously we work very closely with Vault Ireland, the national tourism body, and with their business tourism department specifically. And we're nothing without the likes of Jenny and without um, what we call conference ambassadors. And so they come from all walks of life. They come from, you know, I suppose a lot of science research areas typically. Um, But they come from, um, you know, um, Jenny's uh, uh, subject area. Um, which I would definitely not claim to ever be an expert in or or not. Yeah, well, I, I did, but there's two of us there, Evelyn. Don't feel bad. <laughs> but actually, um, you know, to have like I suppose Jenny attracted, you know, I think it was Jenny would probably correct me now, but it was like you know close to seven or eight hundred delegates from abroad in two conferences this summer, um, for a very specialised um topic to come and hear. I suppose as Jenny said, you know, all about it, but also. We would like to think that they were coming because the destination was attractive. Yeah. But again, um, we're we're like so when I move on from Jenny, I I suppose you know I'm having a conversation, you know, yesterday with somebody who's thinking of bringing an astronomy conference. Then down in Chagask, all of the time we're chatting to people. In some cases, I suppose you're trying to um encourage the person to bid for it. In in lots of cases, they come to us and say they come to us through Fort Ireland or they come to us directly and they say, I want to bring a conference. Um, but whatever way it happens, I suppose we just want to make the whole process as easy as possible because it's 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 big business. It's um it's huge for the local economy. It's like I suppose a hundred million euros we estimate that we've um in brought for the local economy since t- about two thousand and nine, two thousand and nine or two thousand and ten. And like that's that's based on the the multiplier of 1,600 being the value of each okay. international delegate. And, and and that's huge as well because we talk about these conferences and look, big conferences come to Dublin that see thousands of delegates coming in. We we don't have capacity to have uh, 2,000 people like you'd have at the convention centre in Dublin, but not every conference is like that, Evelyn, and Cork suits certain types. Absolutely. The 500, 600 person conference is ideal in Cork. In fact, actually, you'd notice the delegates around the city in the region, um, and which is lovely for them, and it's lovely for the city. I suppose they feel it's very compact or whatever. No, we, you know, we we we're all we're always getting um, people who are coming and saying, "What will I do? I have an opportunity to bid for a fifteen hundred person conference or a, a two thousand person conference." And at the moment, Cork can't host that, but um, you know, we're I suppose we'd be very hopeful of things that might progressions and different developments maybe. Um, down the line, that would be mean that we could host those yeah. type of conferences. You can, you can. I suppose a lot of the um, the winning of a conference is, is down to the individuals, such as Jenny, um, who put in. You know, they, they they put in a huge effort amongst the in with, with the with the um, associations, whether it's a global association or a European association. They get themselves, I suppose, um, known within the association. They they have to go through the bid process. They 
um, oftentimes have to bring people over to check out that the destination is suitable for their conference. Um, and as Jenny said, there's funding available through Fall Ireland for, okay. for to cover some of that. But it's um, it's like a, it's 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 a it's a it's a there's a number of stages in this process, and we're aware of that as well. And we're aware that it's definitely a two to three year. Process it is, yeah, no, it's a lead in time, but you do need someone who, who's starting to push the stone up the hill. And Jenny, that's you. You push more than one stone up a hill uh, and very <laughs> successfully so over time. What do you say to someone who might have an idea or who might think that Cork would work? And wouldn't it be great if we brought this society of whatever here for our annual conference? What do you say to those people? Um, well, I'd, I'd say to get in touch with Fault Ireland um, in the first instance, because, you know, there's the whole conference ambassador program in place and people to advise you before before you like even make contact with the society or whatever it is um where you want to bring the conference so you know to have that advice before before preparing the bid and help um you know that's that i think that's quite significant if you haven't done it before um I think liaising with the Cork Convention Bureau, who can also help, like with things like tote bags, um, or you know, the, the, stuff like that, is is also really helpful when you're when you're organising an okay. event. There's plenty of support out there if you want to get it. Do become a conference ambassador. Bring people to Cork. Why not? Why wouldn't you bring Absolutely. them here? It's the reason to do it. Evelyn, Jenny, thank you both for taking the time to talk to us. And what's the website, Evelyn O'Sullivan, for the Cork Convention Bureau if people want to look it up? So it's just www.corkconventionbureau.com and we'd be delighted to hear from anybody. Brilliant. Evan Evan O'Sullivan, Dr. Jenny Butler, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. Bye. Emerging new company Nexilus has had a great end to 2022 with the announcement that they're going into partnership with Dell Technologies. They're offering the next generation of electronic cooling to customers in sectors like retail, defence, marine, automotive, telecommunications and healthcare. Now, you might not have heard of Nexilus, but there will be more to hear from them next year. And, of course, key to their success is two of their three founders are from the fine county of Cork. One of them is on the line now. Kenneth O'Mahony, how are you? Very good. Thanks for the interview today, Jonathan. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you as well. Now, I have absolutely no idea, as I indicated earlier, uh, just what you mean with electronic cooling. So bring me into the loop. Look, yeah, it's uh, the words itself don't mean a lot. And it's probably um, something that the the resulting technology uh, is the place where it lives and what it does and how it impacts our lives. It's um, Electronics cooling is everywhere. Everything that has an electronic chip needs to be cooled to some degree and maybe the perception that might be a very much a niche industry and why would it be so exciting um, and the reason it's so exciting is because if you have something that you become reliant on and the world has become very much reliant on information um, every element of information impacts our lives in every way there's some parts of that information you know maybe we could do it out maybe we could do it out the social media services, maybe we could do these things, but fundamentally information drives economies, it drives advancement in healthcare, it drives advancement in industries that keep us alive and make our lives better. But, and the but part of that is that the, where information lives in the form of computers and very advanced computers in the form of servers, and those servers live in a place that has become very bad rep, which is data centers. And those data centers do something. They consume massive volumes of electricity. And in that form of electricity consumption, they also create a huge amount of heat. 
and they're getting a terribly bad rap with you know consuming too much electricity, causing too much heat, huge CO2 emissions. So something that we've become so reliant upon, yes, our consciences tell us that it's having a bad impact yeah. on society. Now, you wouldn't have too much of a problem in the last couple of weeks because everything's lovely and cool. You just have to open the window and all of those servers would have been grand. Uh, but it, it's it's the rest of the year uh, when we need to do that. And the more we run, the more we power, the more heat builds up. So how does your solution help? Yes, absolutely right. And, and and as you say, in cool circumstances, you don't need to cool as much, but our, our technology does even more. So our technology allows you not to have to cool it at all. We, we can literally turn off the air conditioning because the units themselves, be they in singletons or in rooms, temp- rooms themselves, huge data centers, halls, where our technology allows us to see those chips as an asset and not something that's actually bad for the world. So if we look at the thermal dynamics, um, thermodynamics, we, we, energy is converted in, into... Well, I, yeah, wish, I, I didn't want to get into a big physics discussion here because it's been yes. a long time since I studied it, but you have things powered up. I mean, I've got computers in front of me here. I've got a sound desk. I've got lights, all of which is generating heat. So how, we, we, do we stop them from generating heat and expect them to still function? No, we actually use it. We, we grab it. We say, wow, this is a fantastic thing. If I plug in my electric heater, I like the heat there, so I just want to grab it. Our technology, advancement technology, allows us to use that and grab it and use it and transform data centers into an energy supply. It gives us the ability to be able to capture all the heat inside them. And you know what? They still live happy. We keep them in the environment in which they prosper. And they, the cooler they are, the more they perform. We keep them there. Our business opportunities said that these chips are actually heaters that are dissipating into the world. And while there has been advancements, nothing like ours. Ours is truly revolutionary that allows them to live very comfortably, be that in a data center or in any environment they're in. We seal them up. We control all the heat that's inside there, keep them within their working environment. And then we grab all that heat. And now we've got accessible 60 degree water that is transferable into a local environment then offsetting those houses or those businesses needing to be connecting to a grid and using more electricity. So now, what was waste is now being asset. used. Yeah, perfect. It's an asset. Absolutely. But how do you do it? How do you connect up? Because, I mean, Mrs. Murphy in the house next door to the data centre doesn't have a hot water pipe coming into her. So how, how does it transfer? Uh, so in, 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 other, in advancements in technology, district heating systems are in place in lots of places. But even if we don't grab it, imagine if I'm a data centre operator today, and I haven't the opportunity to grab it. That's like the ultimate circle that you close. You say, I want to use less electricity to do more. We, we, if you do not have an end use of it, we, our technology allows you to use over 30% less electricity to do the same output from compute that you were doing before. So you may not have an end use, and the advancement is hopefully that our circular economy allows us to do that final circle. But even between now and the first stages, you might say, Okay, if I'm going to do something and I'm using 30% electricity to do the thing I was doing, isn't that a business opportunity itself? Mm. So the grid is 30, 30% of electricity consumption is dropped off the grid and available for Mary. That is on the national to do it until such time as a district heating system is put in place. Okay, so in other words, you're, you're taking that which would otherwise be lost and using it for good. Data centres, uh, it's a bit of a dirty phrase uh, at the moment. People don't like them. They consume a lot of electricity. Is this going to make all of that negativity go away? Oh, 100%. I mean, 
I don't think there's been much of an advancement in our lives that um, has such a global impact on everybody. You know, everybody needs data centers to do what we do, advancements in technology in every level. But this fundamentally changes the game completely. There has been advances before, uh, Jonathan, absolutely. But this one is when you, when you realize that there isn't a problem with data centers or data center consumption, that the volume that they need to do what they were doing, as I say, materially drops by 34% or more. And then the secondary part is that it can be converted into. And there are plenty of places in the world. Unfortunately, Ireland doesn't have much of, of district heating, but there's many, many other places in the world run district heating systems. So these would be plug-and-play solutions readily available. Okay. No more engineering needed. Lots of other companies might say, well, we've seen this before, but you fundamentally haven't. You haven't seen that there doesn't need to be more energy consumption to get you know, low-grade water into active use. Ours is 60-plus degrees, readily available, that's, as I say, the end closure. But the, the data center providers themselves, which and everyone doing them, is under so much pressure for CO2 emissions, reductions, energy consumption reductions, a material impact of 34% plus is just, it's, it is groundbreaking. It, it, it does sound like it's, it's a huge jump compared to the alternative, which was to do nothing. Uh, Kenneth, I mentioned the two founders, two of the three are from Cork. First, where's the other fellow from, first of all? And you might, you might as well name check your, your co-founders. Uh, and I'm delighted to do so. Um, Dr. Cahill Wilson from West Cork and then um, Professor Tony Robinson from, from Dublin. Poor old Trinity to- College in Dublin. Poor old Tony coming from Dublin. But uh, look, as I said, <laughs> he may be in the minority, but the company is doing well. What's the website if people want to look you up, Kenneth? Um, it's nexlus.com. Uh, Kenneth Amani, co-founder and CEO of Nexlus. Thank you so much for joining us on Red Business. Delighted to do so. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Next year is a significant year for Network Ireland as it celebrates its 40th anniversary. Here in Cork, there's bound to be plenty of events happening to celebrate the milestone and at the front of all of them will be the new president of the Network Cork branch. Uh, you're very welcome to the programme. Ingrid Syme, how are you? Um, very well, Jonathan. Thank you so much for having me on. Congratulations on your elevation to president. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the correct phrase or not, but you might tell us a little bit about what you do. Yes, uh, I think elevation is good, Jonathan. We, we can use that term. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm, um, I've been a member of, of Network Cork actually since 2019 and I joined um, because I was setting up my new business. Um, I think that's what a lot of people do. I think what a lot of people find out also, um, and I know uh, I've, I've, I've other members saying the same, that they wish they'd joined earlier because we're not just for, you know, people who have their own businesses. I was in, in, um, in the corporate world for say 20 years actually probably before I I left there for 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 a couple of reasons um things kind of came to a to um to the fore for me there was a lot of things going on in my life a lot of life stressors happening around the same time and eventually I kind of just went okay this is I was hitting the wall um really experiencing a lot of burnout and um, realizing that something had to give and it couldn't be my health really, couldn't be my kids. And I kind of made a decision to step back from my, I was in a leadership role in Amazon at the time. And I stepped back, um, recalibrated a little bit, went to UCC to do a master's in coaching and positive psychology and set up my own coaching and consultancy company then after that building on my corporate experience really but also building on what I learned myself from you know that kind of just keep going keep going keep going (laughs) it'll be fine um 
realizing that, you know, sometimes you just can't keep going. You need to draw on different tools and resources to actually um, manage it all, really. And, and is that and how you ended up as a, as a leadership consultant? It is, yeah. That That's exactly how, because I knew I couldn't keep going in, in the corporate um, role I was in. It was just the hours were too long. There was too much travel, too much intensity. Um, and I stepped back and now I'd rather go into organizations and work with individuals and teams and companies to maybe actually prevent sometimes um, people getting to the stage that I got to myself, you know. Um, how are you now then? Because you've obviously transformed into a business person. You're you're the master of mm. your own ship. And, and is that yeah. easier for you? Um. It's different, I guess. I think, I mean, anyone who, who runs their own business will know that it has different challenges and um, running your own ship is, is, is great, but also the book stops with you all the time. There's nobody you can um, blame. lean on per se. Yeah, <laughs> blame. <laughs> that wasn't the reference I was going for, but like, <laughs> you know, um, and, and it's very easy to, because you manage your own hours, but then again, you know, it's 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 easy that your work blends into all the hours of the day, um, when when you manage it yourself too. So it requires, I think, a different kind of mindset and um, an intention behind how you choose to work. I think that you need to to um, to be mindful of mm. really. And but I think regarding the support, I think that's again where an organization like Network Corp can come into it because it's like um, so one of our members, Diane Higgins, calls it her business family. <laughs> but it's like you get to tap into the support that an organization can give while still, um, you know, being a business owner. So yeah. it's, it's the best of both worlds, really. You work with individuals and organizations with a particular focus on women in leadership roles. Mm. Is it changing? And again, you talked about your own experience, but, you know, as we're all moving through our careers, is it getting mm. easier for women to take up those leadership roles, to hold them and, and to not feel pressure that they might have felt previously just because of their gender? I wish I could say yes. And I think some things are changing for the better. And I think... You know the the role modeling that we see. There's a lot of really strong women in leadership around the country and, and around the world. I think that it might be easier for women to see that you know this is totally something that um, that is there for me as an option. And I think the way women leaders are viewed as well, the more there are, you know, the wider the perspectives that we can get. Um, you don't have to be one certain type of person to to enter into a leadership role. But I think also, unfortunately, um, and I do a lot of work with work-life balance, the the pressure of the work-life balance is really becoming um, a massive barrier for women to progress. And when I say work-life balance, it's very often like work-work balance because the life part for, for many women is just a different type of work. You know, it's the challenges involved in running a family um doing all the things all the you know if we call we can call it unpaid labor or emotional yeah. labor or whatever it is that that comes with um having kids not always just having kids but managing all of those aspects i work with a lot of women who kind of going i'm actually not going to go for that next level up because 
I'm already overwhelmed and I can't take on anymore. Yeah, but that's, that's, and that's a real concern. It is, and it's not right either because mm. uh, the entire management team full of men doesn't get you very far. Uh, we, we've learned that no, or get no. you to the wrong place. Now, that's why <laughs> yeah. Network exists and you are the incoming president of Network Cork, Network Ireland in its 40th year. It's going to be a very busy year for you, I suspect, Ingrid. It will be, it will be. But you know what? Um, it's... It's the kind of business that energizes me. You know, it's it's working to a, a larger purpose. It's supporting others while also being supported by them. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, it's the 40th anniversary of, of all of Network Ireland. It's also my 10th anniversary in Cork myself, so that's kind of nice too. But um, it's it's exciting, and I feel like kind of you're being carried on a wave almost of what's come before you. Of I have a committee behind me, um, quite a large committee of really dedicated, passionate women who will, you know, we work as a team and we have our members who are really what what makes the network too. Okay. They come to the events, they engage. It's like, yeah, just talking to you there now, I see this kind of wave of movement, you know, going into the future. And the Cork business community too is amazing. You know, there's so much between all our, you know, Cork Chamber, um, all our different collaborations. We do a lot of, you know, with MTU, with UCC, with Griffith College, all of those. It's like, you know, again, the wave lifts all ships, you know, yeah, or rising. Was it was the term? Yeah. Yeah. Rising boat lifts all. No, a rising tide rising lifts tide. all boats. There we have. We get, <laughs> yes, get yeah. there eventually. Ingrid, <laughs> yeah. can I just point out, uh, you're, you're here 10 years, I think you said. Your accent is a wonderful blend of Cork and Norway. <laughs> it's It's incredible. It really is. <laughs> I know, I know. It's you can't help but pick up different things, can you? Like it's, it's. Uh, I take pride in that. <laughs> well, also. I love the way you just put like in there as well. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Well, good luck in your term in office. Uh, it will be a busy one as president of Network mm. Cork. Ingrid Siam, coaching and leadership consultant, and indeed, as I said, incoming president of Network Cork. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Jonathan. And I'm really looking forward to working with our partners, AIB. They give us so much support and equally, um, Leo, the local enterprise office, are um, an amazing uh, source of support for us. Ingrid, thank you so much for that and best of luck. That is it from this episode of Red Business. Don't forget our partner series, Red Business and Focus. With thanks to the aforementioned local enterprise office, is available now on redfm.ie. Fiona Corcoran was the producer and we'll catch you on the next episode, the last of 2022. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.